looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Morning everyone, we have passed the post for Saturday, January 2. Here we are on Sunday, January 3. And Nathan Exelby, as you join me this morning, uh, as expected, a good day of racing, competitive, exciting, big fields, uh, lots of betting. But I think from a news point of view, it was jockeys who dominated the day. Uh, some on the right <laughs> side of the ledger, some on the wrong side of the ledger. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, you know, first and foremost, Glenn Boss ended up in hospital for after falling off Morton's fork following um, following the running of the, the staying race. I believe that the report was more positive last night. They were hoping to be released from hospital overnight, which is which Ooh. is good news. But he was heavily concussed. Ryan Maloney forfeited four rides. Um, uh, one of which was a winner, and of course the, the man jolly on the spot was Bobby Alyssa, as you point out. Not only the Maloney pickup, but also one for Glenn Boss as well. Yeah, quite an amazing day. As we said, uh, it was a good day of racing. It's known as the Road to Magic Millions Race Day because, of course, several of these races yesterday uh, offered wild card entries into Magic Millions Day, and one of those winners, a theory, took advantage of that by winning the Nudgy. So a lot to talk about this morning. So let's make a start, and we'll go to the. The Group 3 Vogue, the Magic Millions Vogue, and Got a Kiss and Paladas, they dominated the market. The Vogue plate field comes into the straight with Fleet Dove the leader. From on the outside, Apache Chase, and then Boom Brastic. Blake Duke got a kiss near the inside. About fifth making ground. Where's Paladas a mile back? Star Rosa running on fairly well. Soon afterwards, though, Apache Chase ran to a clear lead from Fleet Dove. Then Blake Duke and got a kiss still making ground, but it's Apache Chase shooting clear. Got a kiss runs on gamely. Time's running out. It's run out. And Apache Chase won the Vogue. Beat got a kiss up for third off. Gazulu, then Black Duke Fleet Dove, followed by at the head of the others Magic Conqueror, Parado, Paladas, Star Rosa, Thundermania, Boombrastic, Plutocrat, then Safe Work, Batanga's Entry Out, Playboy, Rogue Rocker, and Portland Sky Drop right out to finish in last. Apache Chasers Rompto. Certainly did, firming from $26 to $17 for the Magic Millions Guineas in a fortnight's time, and I still think that price is a little generous. We'll talk more about that later, but let's talk to the the lady who does all the uh, the hard yards with Apache Chase. She's got a good team behind her as well. Trainer Desley Forster is our first guest on Past the Post. Des, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah, no, it was good yesterday. Desley, one thing about you, uh, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You've always got great faith in your horses. If you know a horse has ability, you never waver in your faith. And you know this horse right from the get-go, has always had good ability. Yeah, look, he's always shown plenty. Uh, David Harmon, I said, like, um, every time I've asked him to do something, just keeps improving. I said, I'm pretty lucky I've got a good team. Uh, work rides around me to help me out as well, and I ride work, so we get to know the horses quite well. Yeah, further to that, Desley, I, I was not far from you when Apache Chase ran third to Isotope back on... Uh, December 19 and they crossed the line and that and you turned around and said well they won't beat him next time at 1400. Just just expand on that and you know, obviously you're frustrated that day because he had to do a little bit of work on, from the barrier. Oh look Nathan, he's one of those hot, he's got a really good high cruising speed and in those 14, in the 1200 metre races they can they sort of work him over and they those horses have got enough speed to probably harass him and like um, put him under a little bit of pressure. But once he gets out to those 1,400-metre races, even a mile, that's when he can get into a nice rhythm. He's got a beautiful action on him, and he can just go along. And 
And the good thing about this horse, he's got a very high cruising speed and he can quicken off a, off a high cruising speed as well. Yeah. Um, like yesterday, like Taylor, probably two weeks ago, he probably went a little bit slow between the 800 and the probably 500 line the other day, just slowed him up a little too much and made the section a little bit slow. Where yesterday, um, fair enough, he had a bit of a bunny, like Fleet Dove came over and led him and um, gave him a bit of a bunny to follow. But as I said, like he let him go along a nice cruising tempo yesterday and he quickened off it as well. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and we're, we're all waking up this morning saying, we saw this in the winter time. You, you've deliberately staged his, 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 his campaigns with not too many runs, but in the, the winter, they were low-key races, but you're right. Remember that 1,500-metre race at Eagle Farm that day? It was only a four-horse field, but that, but, but he, he travelled so strongly. He didn't, you know, it was a good tempo all the way. So I see what you mean about that cruising speed, and that's going to, I think, help him well in two weeks' time at the Gold Coast. The other thing, Des, is that you're in the right spot, aren't you? This has been a perfect preparation. Nothing's gone wrong. Well, yeah, well... Like you can say that this morning. I tell yesterday, as I said, he had to win yesterday yeah. to get into the race. I was sort of like kicking myself, thinking, "Oh, maybe I should have taken an easier option and just qualified him and got him into the race." So yeah, going there yesterday um, made it a lot easier when he won, and so he's qualified and he's straight in there now. But as I said, look, it's all in hindsight looks good now. So it's got two weeks to go, and the good thing about this horse is. I know it's nice to draw a barrier where he does no work, but if he doesn't, it's a the nice long run, 1,400 metre down the back straight at the Gold Coast. It's a beautiful run. Uh, Taylor knows him. He knows that like, he gets along. And the other thing is, if a horse leads him or they, you know that they're going to go really quick and, um, like yesterday, like Fleet Dove led him and she had she she was going along at a good tempo, so she had to, I mean, like to do what she done to cross him and her run was super as well. Um one thing in your horse's favour going to the Gold Coast Desley is that he's proven at the trip, whereas the two favourites have to go there. We've seen Isotope once at the trip. Um, away game goes there first time. Does that give you a little bit of confidence and, and, and uh, you know, hope that you, you can roll those more fancied fillies? Oh, look, uh, Nathan, I'm not being not being smart, not being ego. You know, it, they, as I said, they're the probably best two fillies in Australia, those two fillies, and they've got to go there now and they've got to run the 1,400. Where my, as you said, my horse has proven he can run 1,400, he can run 1,500, and he can run it off a really good tempo. So the difference is he's going to go there and put himself in the race, be out of trouble, where those two fillies, they're going to have to make their own luck and they're going to, they're going to have to run him down. I think you make a very good point there, Des. I think when this horse, I mean, he's only had, what, seven starts. I think uh, looking at him like as a, a miler, one who can just get out there and bowl along and, and make his own luck and run those consistent sectionals. But anyway, that's down the track. First things first, we go to the, the big dance of the Gold Coast in two weeks' time. I just want to touch on another angle with Apache Chase. Uh, the Sharon family, uh, and they were there yesterday. How did the association come about with them? No, it was just, um, they just rang me out of the blue and asked me if I'd um, take a couple and train. Was Red, Red Chase was one of them, and a couple other horses I had. They had rang and asked me if I'd take them and train them, and um, yeah, so that's how the association um, began out of them. And I said we've had a bit of luck with Red Chase and this horse, and they've got a few other nice horses there as well. Uh, can we just touch Desley on your, your two runners in the buffering yesterday, Red Chase and Chapter and Verse? Just a comment on, on their runs. Um, 
Red Chase is probably um, track was probably a bit shifty for him, and it's probably proven now that if the track's a bit shifty, he doesn't seem to let down, doesn't seem to um, uh, find the line as well. Um, Chapman verse, well, when he drew 18, we we're always going to go back. We we were going to put blinkers on him yesterday, but when he drew wide and the kick back at Eagle Farm, I elected to put a set of pacifiers on him yesterday. He went back and. Um, so I just instruct Mark to sort of run up backside yesterday. He sort of looked like he, his run looked ordinary on paper, but when you go back and watch it, it wasn't as bad. He kept running up backside, and um, he never really got it, got out. And said he was just always on the brawl. Um, so he's at the moment he's showing me at home. He's on track to go to the millions in two weeks' time. He'll go. I'm not quite sure which way. It all depends on the weight situation in the cutest race. He may go back to the cutest race. But we'll just see. We'll weigh up the weight options, probably barriers as well. But look, um, he's got a super record at the Gold Coast. So, yeah, he'll go to the Gold Coast Chapman verse where Red Chase is. He's off to have a well-earned rest now and he'll be coming back for a winter campaign. Desley, thanks for your time this morning. Um, you're in a great position to, to take a live chance to the, uh, the big race in two weeks' time. And uh, as I said uh, at the outset... He's still $17 for a horse who's in form and he's healthy and he's happy and he's in form and he rolls forward. I think $17 is still a good price. But anyway, that's not our decision. That's for the, the market framers to make. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, I'd just like to say, um, yeah, happy birthday to Nathan for today and <laughs> have a nice day. That's very kind, Desley. Thank you very much. Well, uh, thanks, Desley. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, well, guys. Bye -bye. Thank you. <laughs> Well, see, now that's that's spoiled my party. Oh. I was going to make the big... Were you? The big uh, happy birthday. Well, don't let that stop you. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> now, look, let's uh, let's continue the Apache Chase story and uh, we'll take it from the, the jockey's point of view. And this was uh, a, not, not just a good day for Taylor Marshall, a very good day because a milestone in his career. And he's been kind enough to, to join us this morning on Past the Post. Taylor, congratulations. A big win for you yesterday. Yeah, it was. Thank you very much. As you said, um, first group win, so a uh, very momentous occasion. And, yeah, so, so rapid I was able to do it um, for Michael and, and also Terry Ann. They've been, you know, very loyal to me and obviously Desley as well. So um, I had a lot of faith in this horse from from a very early point. He sort of showed me quite a lot of ability and he was still quite raw and immature and I still believe he hasn't, the penny probably hasn't fully dropped with him yet. Um, he's a very progressive type and, yeah, exciting exciting couple of weeks ahead, that's for sure. Taylor, you've ridden this horse uh, in most of his career. It must be an important thing for a jockey, uh, whatever ability levels a horse has, if you get to know the horse and you ride them consistently, it must be a big plus because you get to know the animal as well. There's got to be a relationship developed between both, both man and horse, surely. Yeah, I, I certainly believe that's the case. Um, as you said, I've had an association with, with this horse now. That's my third win on him. And similarly with, with Red Chase, I've, I've won five on him. So, you know, horses like that, because every horse is different, as we all know, and um, they all each have their quirks. And I think if you can familiarise yourself prior to a big race, like in, in two weeks' time, it's only going to be, uh, you know, a positive and, and work in your favour. Tully, we heard in, in David's call that Apache Case Chase sort of looked in control for, for most of the straight and the others were going to face a task to get to him. Is that the way you, you felt as well aboard him? Yeah, I, I did. I felt like I had a lot of horse under me and I was obviously with the long straight at Eagle Farm, I was wanting to be as patient as possible. Um, 
there were a lot of backmarkers that were running on on the day and I was waiting for something to sort of in my peripheral vision hoping obviously not but I was waiting for something to maybe sort of come at me but um, credit to him he, he really showed a you know quite an electric turn of foot at about the 200 when I really asked for an effort mm. um, he's, he's the sort of horse that he, he can jump away and, and make his own luck we're not going to be sort of in traffic and um, held up behind any runners and might be falling back in our lap come the guinea so um, you know these are all all additions and only adds to his case as, as a strong chance I think I agree with you and um, as we were discussing earlier with Desley I remember that day at Eagle Farm it was only a four horse field I know that but it was 1500 metres but he was really dominant that day and I thought gee this is a horse that has a lot of upside to him and and um, you know they're the ones they're going to, have to be chasing him down. I'm not, not. I'm not saying he's going to be screaming along in front, but he's going to put himself into a position. And as Desley said too, and and you'll understand this from a jockey's point of view, that 1400 meter start at the Gold Coast, it's a great run along that back straight. And I think sometimes even drawing wide's not too much of a disadvantage because you can just just take your time to just glide across. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think he, he's a sort of horse that can muster good speed, so. I don't think barriers are, it probably takes barriers out of play, which is so crucial when you're when you're in a big field like that. But as you said, drawing outside isn't always a negative because there's a always a lot of sort of early scramble and, and um traffic and if you can get if you get caught up in that it can be race over from the get go. So um we will be, as you said, up on pace and in a handy position and um yeah, it's gonna take a, a pretty good one to, to run us down, I think. Yeah, Talia, you've outlined how that was your first group race success yesterday. No group status attached to the race in two time, uh, two weeks' time, but there is a $2 million price tag. How will you approach the next two weeks? Is it, you probably will be wanting to, to wish those days away pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll just sort of embrace the moment, I, I think. Um, just approach it as per usual. It's, you have to treat these as, as any other race. and um, Obviously, there's a, you know, a lot of hype and a lot of around it but from from my point of view I've got to stay professional and um, yeah I'll, I'll just be soaking it all in and trying to enjoy the moment because as, as we all know these sort of horses are hard to come by and um, it's yeah it's quite quite a special one because I have had an association with him and has sort of watched the horse progress and, and being able to you know be aware of, of where he's been at at each level and now see him prove himself yesterday the black type win and, and go into the big race and just I was sort of deep down I knew he had it in him but for it to come to fruition is yeah such a thrill really. Taylor you come from good stock of course your late dad John was an outstanding horseman as well as an outstanding jockey so um, you you are bred from from good stock you started off with a bang uh, in, in New South Wales you've decided to make Queensland your home are you happy with your lot at the moment are you happy with the way things are going? Yeah, I'm wrapped. We sort of grew up on the Sunshine Coast, so I, this is sort of home for me. And, um, as you said, the foundations are there with, with Daddy. He was always, you know, such an astute student of the game. He, he loved to, um, you know, the tactical side of racing. And I probably didn't fully appreciate and understand it when I was first starting out. And the more I sort of mature as a rider, I'm sort of picking up on things that he was trying to teach me at the time. And, um, you know, that's that's something that I, I will always have and um, his advice will always stick with me and especially in these moments come leading into the, the these next two weeks and into the guineas, uh, I can sort of draw on advice that he always gave me and mm. um, 
yeah, I'll, those are sort of things I'll never forget. So, yeah, quite exciting. Am, am I right in saying that you, you were a late starter as far as being a jockey was concerned? Yeah, that, that's correct. I actually, I went through right through grade 12. I actually never sat on any form of horse until I was 18. So um, a lot of people assume that, obviously, with Dad's ties mm. with racing and whatnot, I, I was on ponies and whatnot from a very young age, but I didn't really show any interest in racing and Dad never pushed me into it. Um, actually, my, my cousin, Josh Barrett, he sort of one day mentioned it. He's, he's um, him and Chris Barrett there have racing ties also and um, he sort of said give it a shot and yeah sort of I loved it from day one so that was that was how it come to yeah how I fell into racing and and obviously nice to have some family there yesterday to to, to see the big win yeah it was it sort of made made it extra special because um, they were staying with us for Christmas and New Year's and um, yeah to have them you know over the over the other side of the fence, and um, their support means the world to me. So to have family here, yeah, it was almost like all the stars aligned. So yeah, very very special. And a day I'll, I'll never forget. That's for sure. I'm glad to see you win a good race, a big race, because uh, it's a it's a tough environment, the, the jockey environment, wherever you're at, whether it's Brisbane, Sydney, or Melbourne. And we've got a lot of talented riders here, and it's it's hard to get good rides and hard to keep them. But this is one you've kept, and and the dividends are paying now. So. The big dividend, fingers crossed, might be in two weeks' time. So thanks for being with us this morning. You have a good day. Thank you very much. Taylor Marshall joining us this morning. Yeah, the, the Apache Chaser story's been well documented. Worthy of mention, David, the stallion better than ready. Last mm. week he had Alpine Edge win the, the feature two-year-old. Now Apache Chase winning another group three through the stallion yesterday. Do you agree with, with my th- thesis or theory that, that $17 still seems a good price <laughs> to me because, uh, you know... Seeing is believing. I mean, he he did it all his own way up the front and beat them convincingly. So he's going into the race as a horse fit and in form. And a, a horse with uh, no question marks over him as opposed to, say, the, the two favourites who have to see out that trip. Well, look at that market, David. Um, $2.80 still isotoping up Forbidden Love who burst into calculations with the, the Gosford win at $6 away game seven. Got a kiss, $13. What did you, you take from, from her run? Well, as I often say about her, you can trust her. If she doesn't win, she runs a good race. And her run was good. I just wish they'd be a little more positive with her at the start. Now, I've watched that replay a few times. They come out and just settle. I don't know whether she's... Mm. Because she does it. She used to have speed, even though they wanted to ride her quietly. She then uh, was inconvenienced near the, the 1100 and maybe lost a length or so. But she was very good to the line. She beat the others as easily as Apache Chase beat her. So you know when she turns up in two weeks' time, she'll she'll run a good race. I think the intention was to be more positive yesterday, whether it didn't pan out. Then she got jammed up on the fence, which which didn't help. And then the other thing, she could get... She couldn't get any momentum coming to the turn when, when she really needed to be building momentum. So I, I thought her run was good, and I don't think you can put the pen through her. One day no. she will get those breaks, and and she will win a good race. But I agree with you, Apache Chase at $17, when in the run he's going to be up there highballing it, and um, the others are going to have to have to get him down. I think, I think I've convinced myself he's a good thing. Yeah, you? I think you have. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Zulu ran well in third, hit the line well. Yeah, he did. So um, uh, Paladas didn't... Um, he might, I assume he'll be off for, off for a break now, Paladas. My, my roughies didn't run on like I thought, Thundermania or Rogue Rocker, but that is, it is what it is. Let's go to our next feature, and this was the open feature, the buffering. 
over 1,400 metres. And it was a wide betting race, but Emerald Kingdom in the end was the best back runner. Up to the turn in the buffering. 500 left to Rana. Deep Image immediately under pressure. Passed and headed by Emerald Kingdom, who headed for home and went for home. Here's Soxagon. Despite a wide run, Stampy as well. Then Desert Lord, Baccarat Baby, Tambo's mate. Scalopini running on fairly. Soxagon went up, put pay to Emerald Kingdom. Then Stampy. Scalopini and Nick and over out wider. 100 metres left to go, though. Soxagon in front. He's going to win. He'll complete the lock day buffering double. Brilliant performance that. Socks have gone wide and too good. Beat either Nicodover or Emerald Kingdom. Scalopini ran fourth, then came at the head of the others, Stampy, followed by Hilo, Ligulate, Reckless Choice, then Tyzone, Red Chase, Chapter and Verse, Desert Lord, Deep Image, Tambo's mate, Crone and Baccarat, Baby, last over the line. Soxagon, as was the case with the Loch Ney, was totally dominant again. He travelled a wide course and he put pay to them as he did to the Loch Ney and uh, completing that double, as I said there in the broadcast. Our next guest, this is a man, uh, for our listeners who may not know, that both Nathan and I over the years have taken orders from him and we will dare not disobey him. Nathan more so than me. I, mine was in a temporary sense, but he was Nathan's boss for some time. And uh, well, Was he, Nathan? He certainly was. Yeah. Uh, 11 years ago this week, I started the Courier Mail under, under the next guest, David. Another milestone. Birthdays, milestones. <laughs> anyway, former Courier Mail sports editor Brian Burke is a very... Happy man in retirement these days, but he's extra happy because he's one of the part owners of Soxagon. In fact, he has a lot to do with the horse, and he's joining us this morning. Morning, Brian. Morning, David. Nathan. I tell you what, I, I, I watched you the day it won the Loch Ney, and I, I watched you post-race yesterday. You normally sort of put yourself in the same position. You're a very composed winning <laughs> owner. Nothing ruffles you. <laughs> no, mate, I was uh, feeling it inside. I must admit, it was quite surreal. I'm still pinching myself, actually. I think Bart Sinclair said to him at the 300, you're home, but uh, that's the last well, thing you want to hear, isn't it? Well, yeah, one I, did, early, I did. What an early crowd. I, I didn't want one to go there. Well. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, he, he did. He said we stood there and watched the race together, and he said, mate, you're home. I said, oh, hang on. And then 100 metres out, I said, where's that what's-the-name post? <laughs> <laughs> take us take us through the, the socks have gotten story for our listeners. We've got a fair idea of it, but it's a good story. Go right back to the start. All right, now this look, I was retiring and I wanted something to do and my wife suggested we have a dabble at breeding some horses. So we went to the Patnak Farm um, dispersal sale uh, at Magic Means back in 2013, I think it was. In fact, Anne went because I had I was working, I couldn't get away. Um, we bought two. And I don't know what it was, but uh, whether someone told Patnak or Nathan Tinkler about um, the great secretariat, but both mares had we bought had secretariat on the dam sideline. Anyway, we bought this one uh, infold of Rahib strike on goal, Soxy's mum for six hundred dollars, and um, we got him home and uh, had the foal and and uh, Bart Sinclair rang me one day and said Kevin Dixon's um, got a couple of free services if you like. And I said, oh, what too? He said uh, we can have Monashie Mountain or Rocker. And I asked, I said to Bart, well, what do you reckon? He said, oh, well, in fairness, he said, Monashy Mountains, a more commercial site, you're probably best to go there. And I thought about it and I thought, hang on, rockers buy fast net rock out of an encosta de Lago mare, you couldn't get better blood in the world than that. So I said, no, I'll go with rocker. And here we are. It's been a terrific ride, like from the time he won his maiden there at Toowoomba, Berkey, where he, he absolutely belted them up there that particular night. Then this time 12 months ago, you were running really good second to Vega 1 in the Gateway, and he, he's furnished into the complete package now. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he has. Look, he was always... Uh, I've, I've got to thank my vet, Stuart Price, when he was foaled down and he, he came home after five days and, uh, and Stuart came up to freeze brand him a couple of months later and he just said to me, Brian, he said, this is the one. <laughs> I said, how do you know that? He said, no, no, he said, I do. Anyway, there he is. So, yeah, no, and he, he won his maiden by 10 lengths at... Um, at uh, Clifford Park, and there were a few sceptics out because of his trainer, and I thought, well, that's a bit unfair. But anyway, he, um, he, I, I thought his next run, when he, he ran fourth off a maiden in the cutest duel over 1,400 metres at uh, 1,200 at um, Eagle Farm, and I thought that day Dan Griffin rode him, and he came from well back, very, very similar to yesterday, actually, but ran fourth to Mashani Hustler, beating a couple of lengths, and I thought, well, I think he can gallop. Um Berkey, you were in a bit of a panic yesterday morning when it became apparent that Glenn Boss's <laughs> flight had been delayed from Melbourne and then you were sort of more composed when you learned that he would be here on time, but then it obviously went pear-shaped again after race six. Talk us through the discussions of, of you know, who was uh, in line to, to get the ride on Soxagon after Glenn Boss was taken to hospital. Yeah, no, it was real. We were in a bit of shock and the trainer, Mark Curry, and myself, we sort of, oh, I don't know who, who to go, but I'll say this... Um, uh, in fairness to uh, Bobby Liss's credit, he came straight out the room and started. He wanted the ride, and I was, you know, well, you don't know, but I thought a couple of other jockeys who didn't have a ride might have thought the same. But no, so we went with him. Mm. The, the other thing, Brian, is that we saw it in the lock night and uh, where he he really dominated his rivals. And again, yesterday watching that race. Alyssa made that sort of half mid-race move and, and was wide. And I know at Eagle Farm these days you can cover a bit of ground, but again, he was dominant. So he's really hit his straps at the right time. And of course, there's still another big uh, big race coming up because he got the wild card entry into the Magic Millions Cup. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Now, look, uh, I've got to pay tribute to our trainer, Mark Curry. He, he decided a little change of race gear with him. He put a crossover noseband on him before the lock nay. What he'd been doing, he'd been racing, and he sort of half misses the start or not. Misses by probably by a neck, and then Jock's digging up, and he gets then he starts to race ungenerously. So we put the crossover noseband, and Bossy, to his great credit, said, "Look, I'm just going to ride him to find his rhythm." And uh, he did that day, and he just said, "Mate, he just went through his gears," and that's the same thing Bobby Alyssa did yesterday. Yeah, well, he certainly went through his gears in in good style. I thought Bobby Alyssa rode him perfectly, similar to what Boss did, as you just um, outlined, Berkey. So. Um, it must be a fair bit of satisfaction because it, it's taken, you know, what have this been seven or eight years down the track since you started this this venture, and to see it come to fruition, there's got to be a lot of uh, satisfaction. Yeah, no, it's just it's, I keep pinching myself every day. Who'd have thought, mate? You know, as you, as you know how hard it is in racing. I know I said it before. I sound like a broken record. You'd be, you'd be happy to train one that won a maiden at, at or to breed one that won a maiden at Kilcoy, but to, to win a listed race at Doombin and then the buffering, it's just out of this world. We had the mare, we had uh, three foals from her, three to race, three winners. She's gone, is she? Yes, she has, yeah. We uh, we had to make a decision a couple of years ago. Kids were getting married and, as you know, uh, breeding, it's 24-7, uh, 365 days of the year and you can't say to your next-door neighbour, could you just look after these for a couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> so we downsized and, um, anyway, we've, we've been lucky as to they get soxy. Well, there it is. So, as we said, two weeks' time, the, the Magic Millions Cup, and make sure you mark that spot at Eagle Farm because you might need it come early June. 
<laughs> be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, well, not out of the equation, is it? No, we nearly got there this year or last year. We were a bit unlucky. We, oh, we had a great run in the um, in the gate. They ran second to Vega one, and what he ran a terrific race in the Stradbroke. So we weren't far off. Exactly right. Th- thanks for your time this morning, mate. Good luck in two weeks' time. Thanks, guys. Ryan Burke joining us there with uh, the story behind Soxagon. And did you select him? I bracketed the selection, if you, you remember, David. I, was, I thought you might admonish me for that, but you, you let it go through the keeper. So no. um, oh. no, he's been a good horse the last couple of starts for me, Soxagon. But Berkey's an interesting one. He's not just a racing man. He's a, a mad sports nut and across so many ranges of sports. I can remember when he arrived from Victoria uh, and I was just... Uh, working on a Saturday in the press room at Doom and Eagle Farm. I think it was the late 70s. His nickname was Hoover. Okay. I don't know. I should have asked him that then, but he's gone now. <laughs> but he was at the Australian, I think, first That's up. That's right. And That's then, right. then uh, went to... And he worked uh, at this radio station too, I think, Racing Raconteurs. He was a part of that particular program with, with Obi for, for um, a number of years. Yeah, there was a lot we didn't cover off on, but uh, a good bloke and um, good to see him win yesterday. The race itself, Nick and Nova just keeps just keeps running well. I said to, well, I said I think last week that Nick and Nova was heading for a spell after the burn, but I saw Steve Tregay after the race yesterday. I said I won't ride it again this week, but is that it? And he said, well, most probably. But if he licks the tin out again, he might have to go around again. But um, what a, what an old marvel! Three weeks in a row and just keeps backing up. I'm tipping a dollar ten. He'll be in that sunshine well, coast. That's what I said. Surely he'll be running the sunshine <laughs> coast. He's no, no, no. He needs a break. <laughs> Emerald Kingdom uh, was very well backed, and, and uh, the 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 assessment was was fairly spot on. He ran well. Yeah, he, he looked big odds early doors, and he was probably just left a sitting shot for the, that that other pair. I think Soxagon was dominant. Um, he may well have run second if just been possibly held up a little little longer. But um, maybe the stablemate didn't help him so much there with the carved out a quick section early. I think overall, fair to say, they all had their chance. It was a, a genuinely run race. They were spread out in the straight. There was no. No hard luck stories and and some disappointing like like well, Desert Lord certainly Deep Image seems to have lost it. It was yeah, gone of the turn. It's very seasonal though racing, isn't it? Those those horses from last year that were winning these races twelve months ago, they're just struggling to to make an impact now. And uh, horses who win that like Soxagon has his last couple, they go to Magic Millions and invariably very competitive. We saw Vega one win on Magic Millions off a dominant gateway, and a couple of years before that, the um, that Matt Dunn horse whose name just escapes me. He'd been dominant coming through, and he he got the job done on Magic Millions Day as well. Care to think? That's the one. Yeah. Race Let, caller, see? <laughs> nothing escapes you. Let's go to the, the two-year-old race, another stepping stone towards the Magic Millions, and most expected this to be a pass-the-post result because Ranch Hand was a long odds-on favourite. In the straight, Golden 80, rounding up inside of De Maurier. Coming up on the outside now is Ain't She Lovely, Wider Glen Eagles. Ranchan coming through between runners. Needs to get a bit of a move on the favourite. And Windburn sticking to the rail, running on resolutely. Soon afterwards, Ranchan and De Maurier, joined by Windburn on the inside. Glen Eagles can't go on. Then Queen of Wizardry. Ranchan's got a real battle on his hands. He's in a fight with Windburn. Queen of Wizardry will knock off the pair. Wooshka! Queen of Wizardry, beat either Windburn or Ranchand. On debut, the winner. Fourth, De Maurier. Then came Rockinati. Glen Eagles punctured late. Then Ain't She Lovely, Golden 80. And Princess Bojack, last over the line. Not a single doubt, Philly. Never easy to win at your first start, let alone in the Metropolitan uh, Arena. And that's what Queen of Wizardry did. Steph Thorne and riding for trainer Annabelle Neesham, who joins us now. Annabelle, good morning. Congratulations. Were you surprised by the win? Uh, I suppose I was a little bit surprised by the win. I was, I was very confident she would run well. 
Um, and Rana Singh, who's my travelling foreman, he actually said to me in the morning, he said she'll win. I mean, he, he was confident. <laughs> um, I thought the favourite would, would probably be hard to beat. And, you know, she, she was going there as, I think, the only debutante in the field. But always had a really big opinion of her. Um, you know, we've sent her up into state for a reason. Um, we wouldn't have just sent her up unless we thought she'd run well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, slightly slightly surprising she, she won, but I thought she, she'd certainly run top three. And, um, yeah, she's probably just confirmed what we thought of her, which was that, you know, she's a filly with a lot of ability. Annabelle, that probably gets her into the, the Magic Millions field, which gives you potentially two runners in that race in, in you know, haven't been training long. So it's a feather in your own cap, isn't it, to have two qualify for that race? Yeah, it's a, a massive thrill. Um, it's sort of a bit unusual. I'm not, I don't think it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get up there because, <laughs> um, you know, the only way to get up really was to get out of Greater Sydney for, for two weeks. Um, and I just... I've, you know, got too many horses in work really to leave for that long. So it might be a bit surreal if I can't get up there, um, not being there. But I've already spoken to, to Lizzie Gels, who's part ownership of Queen of Wizardry, and um, we're just cooking up a plan of, as to where we'll watch it if we can't get up there. Queen of Wizardry, just tell us about her. Uh, is she a, a filly that, uh, you know, was an upper capital? Did you sense that she had ability, above average ability? Yeah, so she was bought. Um, Aquis purchased her as, um, as, you know, they bought three or four nice fillies um, for Loretta Fung, um, specifically, um, you know, to, to get other ladies involved and, and really to target this, this women's bonus if we could get mm. uh, one of them into the race. And originally I thought it might be Pippa Charlotte um, that was going to be the filly I'd, I'd get into the race, but um, she ended up having to go for a break. So, um you know, this filly was next on the on our radar. She's, you know, she's beautifully bred. She's probably not really bred to be running in a Magic Millions on the dam side. You know, she's from the family of Liberator, who was, you know, champion there in Hong Kong, and um, from the family of Atana, who's, you know, got over ground as well. But um, she's typical, not a single doubt. Um, she's got a big, deep girth. She's got a big engine. She was bred by Tyreel, who just breed a good horse year in, year out. They, they, they bred uh, the Everest winner, classic legend as well. They always breed good horses and, um, you know, really good selecting by Shane McGrath and that. Chris, he, I think he must have a crystal ball because he <laughs> buys a lot of good horses. Tell us about their relationship with, with Shane and also Aquas Farm, who've been obviously great supporters of yours since you, you went out on your own. Yeah, um, obviously I got to know them when I was working for Kieran and David. Um, and, you know, when I went out on my own, they, you know, they said they'd heavily support me. So um, very grateful to them. It's, it's not easy getting going training, but um, certainly makes it easier when, when you're sent nice horses to train. So um, I just hope I can, can uh, repay them. And, you know, if we could win a Magic Millions, that would be a good start. <laughs> it certainly would be. Because how does it work in terms of which ones you get? Do you, had you gone to the sales last year with Shane and then sort of done it that way? Or does it, do they just sort of designate the horses that, where they go? No, I was obviously working for Kieran last year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Atkins were doing their thing and, and buying horses. And obviously they've got a lot of horses with, with Casey Fogden as well. So um, they've got a great system on the farm there. They get broken in and... Um, you know, they, they've they had horses in and out to the Gold Coast, so um, I don't think they designate their trainers too early um, because, you know, they can keep them in their system really for a good six months before they need to go to a trainer. So, 
Um, I actually remember Queen of Wizardry from the sale. My notes, looking back on on them, were were really good. He's probably my favourite sire, so mm. it's just fate that I've that I've ended up with her, really. Annabelle, what's the update on Ghost Rider, who uh, on face value looked disappointing in the Bruce McLaughlin last Saturday? Yeah, he was really disappointing. Um, gone over him with a fine tooth comb and, and can't find anything. He was a bit off colour a um, couple of days after the race. Wasn't quite himself, um, but he's, he's had a few quiet days and seems to be bouncing back. So at this stage, we're still going look to look to press on and hopefully just draw a line through that run. She, he, um, he didn't have the best of runs. He, they all jumped in a line and, and Jim had to bring him back or he was going to be stuck too wide. And I don't think he... In the end, I think he sort of resented that and sort of nearly looked like he just threw his toys out of the pram a little bit. So I'm just hopeful that we can get him, um, you know, back on song. Raj has been really happy with him up there the last few days. So um, at this stage, we'll we'll keep pressing on. And if we can get him back to his best, you know, he's still going to be in there with a, with a chance in what looks a pretty open race. Brisbane's proving a pretty happy hunting ground for you so far. You had a winner there at Doombin uh, last week with Jessica Rabbit. Um, tell us about Raj. Is, what's what's his story, given that he declared a 30-to-1 winner to you yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, just, I didn't even ask him if he had anything on there. But, <laughs> no, I've known Raj for a long time. He, he worked for, for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott for a long time. Um, and when I worked for Gay and, and was working down in Melbourne for the carnival, I met him down there, and he used to ride a lot of their good horses. Um, so I was very fortunate that, that when I went out on my own, he, he came on board, and um, he's done the travelling for, for Gay a lot, so he knows he knows what it's all about, and um, he's very meticulous, and he, um, he's seemingly a pretty good judge. So, you know, what, during these times, you need to have someone that, that, you're, that you trust and uh, are confident to leave the horses with for for that period of time because really by the time he comes home he'll have been away for a month and I won't have actually physically seen the horses for that long so it's important to have someone that gives you good feedback um, which helps you you know change up what you're doing or keep things the same and yeah he's heavily involved with the success we've had up there so far. Annabelle thanks for your time this morning and once again congratulations on that win yesterday. Thank you very much. Annabelle Neesham joining us and yes she's only been training since I think late August Mm. so Hasn't had many runners, but uh, as you said, uh, South East Queensland has been a happy hunting ground. Ranch Hand looked dis- disappointing. Well, certainly when, you, when you're taking a dollar thirty or a dollar forty, mm. what it says to me is it's still nine dollars in the Magic Millions, and you know I, I, we've we've sort of skirted around this. I don't think this year is the strongest Magic Millions field. Oh, this it can't be, but there's not one single. F- form line that's actually stacking up, you know? Like, mm. we had a look at the Wyong form line there yesterday, maybe through Glen Eagles, who was considered, should have finished closer to the Magic Millions favourite at Wyong. He disappointed there. Ranch Hand had beaten Miramura, who was disappointing in mm. Sydney yesterday, albeit on a, on a wet track. So, which form line is holding up, David? That's why I think there's, there's something hidden here, and I think we've got to try and drill down on this. Here's an interesting point from the Stewards report yesterday. Shaquiro... Trainer Chris Waller has since reported that Shaquiro had pulled up mildly lame in the old four and subsequently had been treated. He added it was the stable's intention to carry on with the current preparations. And that's confirming that there was an issue there, obviously not a dramatic one. Mm-hmm. And obviously he'll run next Saturday in the Nugget. That's right. So, And we know his form's a whole lot better 
than what we saw last Saturday by a long way. But again, if you look at that breeder's plate this year, there hasn't been a horse come out of it that has a step up. So uh, Is what you're saying is you look at the field and you can sort of punch holes in every horse? I think so. Bar Alpine Edge? Well, that's right. He he's he doesn't have a negative against his name. And I suppose the Wyong winner, she did win by a space as well. Um, she but did. But I'm still thinking that this Saturday we, we may well see something jump out of the ground. Albeit the weather report might throw a spanner in the works uh, this week, David. I think mm. there is expected to be rain. And I'd like to mention that every past the Post uh, episode, Miss Hipstar. Yes, you've... Now I notice down to $18 from 21. You'll be, you'll be taking the, the, the Miss Hipstar Apache Chase double. Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now let's press on and we'll have a listen to the nudgy, the list of the last race. This was a titanic betting duel between a theory and Kisakano. Here's the replay. In the straight below the 400 metres. Boomtown last went to the lead. Kisakano's near the rail with ground to make up. A theory is getting a run between runners coming home strongly. Boomtown last need up. A theory now coming at the pair. Kisakano can't reach them. A theory and Boomtown last. A theory going to the lead below the 100 metres. A theory pulling away for Godolphin. And a theory is home and hosed. Won the Nudgy brilliantly. Beat Boomtown last. Wild Vixen up for third. Then Missiano need up. Kisakano didn't accelerate in the straight. Then Jamie lady blazing miss followed by river racer yes baby yes sophie's gold class spirits choice socializing mousy hold the line then came zoff gold persuader and can you see whip them in yes a theory dash rewilla riding for james cummings who was in attendance at uh, eagle farm yesterday and totally dominated the race which didn't come as any surprise well, not a surprise to you you, you labeled her the best of the day oh, so yeah. so well done david um she did dominate and I mean, Kisakano backers knew they were in trouble from the top mm. of the straight. And, I mean, Boomtown Lass did what she always does and gives that huge sight. But you could see just a theory warming into her work. And the way she finished off there yesterday, David, you'd think going to 1,300 metres on Magic Millions Day is not going to be an issue for her. Mm. Wild Vixen good in, in running third. Nidor, but she, she ran well in fourth. But Kisakano, uh, stewards did inquire into the performance. Mark Duplessis said... Good run, but uh, in his mind, disappointing. And there were no abnormalities found. Yeah, there. we'll follow up on that today with Michael Nolan, see if anything comes to light with her. But we know she's a lot better than that. But, yeah, while Vixen was a terrific run, she probably get a weight swing there and the Magic Minions extra trip will possibly be in her favour. But they're knocking on the door, Godolphin, to win one of these wild cards mm. on Magic Minions Day. The last two years, they've run second. Manicure won this race two years ago, was second in the Phillies and Mares. And last year, I saw Ian won the Falvon and was second in the, the uh, Snippet. So this year, they've got Roheran and Theory qualified through those wild cards. The other feature was the Magic Millions shootout, uh, the staying race. Let's have a listen to the replay. Faced off for Godolphin, heavily backed. Homeward bound now, 400 left to run. And on the outside, get stuck in, reach the lead. Faistos, they shot the gap, the run came. And the favourite ran to the front. Grey line after him, get stuck in, still there. And Berade right down the outside. Short of 200 left to run. Faistos tackled and headed by Berade. Berade and Faistos from Grey line. It's Berade in front, close to home. And Berade won the shootout, beat Faistos, Grey line, and then elaborate. Followed by Morton's Fork. Then came at the head of the others. Amanda Match advance warning. Get stuck in so you win. Then came Milestone Secudo and Tumultuous last over the line. Berade, uh, many thought uh, would get the wildcard entry into the, the Sub-Zero. That's not the case. No, there, there seemed to be some controversy about it, but this has been the case for a few years now. It's been ruled that you know, the European bred horses aren't eligible for it. So... 
you know, whether it needs to be advertised better, I'm not sure. But it's not like it was just changed last week. It's been there for for a couple of years. So, albeit they've come north and they've uh, they've been able to win a hundred and well, it's like a Saturday race in Melbourne, I suppose. But um, he's a promising type horse. Grey Lion, what a little marvel he is um, with the 61 kilos just putting in again. And Faistos was honest but had his chance. He did have his chance. And just interested from a race caller's perspective here, David. Berade and Grey Lion, both OTI horses. And the Huddies had three horses in it, which their colours aren't too dissimilar from those OTI. Any, any dramas there at all? Oh, yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I, and Milestone was another one, I think. Uh, uh, Milestone was the OTI you're right, so three, three of each. Three of each, so uh, yeah, you've just got to do a bit of extra work. I mean, you know the horse as well. Just like that. What's that? Do a bit of extra, extra work. work. Mm, no. And you're always, you're half second guessing. You're second guessing whether well. we've got the right one. Well, at, least, at least I guess the two are, are grey and a. The mm. other uh, uh, thing to come out of this race was, and on a disappointing note, mm. was Ballistic Boy, who we said yesterday morning you'd get better than $2.80. You certainly did. It got to $5. But drama at the start got its head down. It had to be released from the gates and then scratched. He, he buried his head uh, down there. I must say those barrier tenants did a very good job to, to release him without without harm, although somehow he got away in the end. But it was interesting, David, um, the look on Chris Anderson's face quickly changed in the stewards' room. They, he went in to watch what had unfolded and then uh, he finished watching and thought, oh, well, he's never done that before anyway. My intention is just to run him in the wave this week. And uh, Mr Chadwick stared back at him point blank. He said, well... He'll be putting. He'll be having to go through the barriers before we uh, allow him to start again. So, um, Chris Anderson then he's uh, booked a place in a in a jump out at Eagle Farm on Tuesday morning. Um, obviously, has his fingers crossed that the weather doesn't doesn't uh, curtail those. That, but it makes it difficult if he's got to jump out through the barriers Tuesday. Mm. He did say that he'll need a hard gallop before next Saturday's wave. Uh, 1,800 metres, and then hopefully get the preparation back on track so he can still run in that sub-zero. Yeah, a real change in the, in the preparation, which had been going swimmingly, hadn't mm, it? Everything had right. been going along nicely, and, and that happens. And then, of course, two races later, um, a plutocrat, I, I was watching, just happened to get my eye line on Chris mm. Anderson, and I said, a plutocrat has to be uh, replated. He just shook his head <laughs> as if the day couldn't get any worse. It did. Boomtown last ran second in the last race, so... Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Ando's day yesterday at Eagle Farm. They were the the main features. Just touching on some other races, smart and sexy. She's Magic Minions Guineas bound, uh, bounce back. And again, you know we often say this, and it's it's important to point out again. You can read the form, you can do the videos, but it's often about the horse itself. And there is a classic case in point: a filly who turned up at Doomben in a cranky frame of yeah. mind, race fresh, race handy, and didn't accelerate like they thought she would yesterday in a far better frame of mind ridden quietly and responded well she certainly torched those that field of older horses and they pulled the right rein you would think going there getting her confidence back and now she's still a 34 dollar chance in the in the magic minions guineas i would think she'll have some admirers at that price she's she'll be strong through the 1400 meters and that was a very impressive win certainly was so congratulations to the archer park team and i'll be talking more about archer park tomorrow on press room other winners snow valley Big betting drift this one. Were you on this? No, I was on it last time at $8 when it got nutted. I was not, not clever enough to follow up yesterday when it when it drifted. But Th like I said to Steel Ryan before the race, he said, well, when they drift like this, it's not a good sign. But uh, she was too good for them. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, that was a Bobby Alyssa pickup ride. McEwen likes the Eagle Farm track. Ryan Maloney was actually riding for Tony Gollum there. He couldn't later on. But uh, McEwen appreciating the track. The, and the 1,200 metres at Eagle Farm, I think, is really his most effective 
uh, venue. It is, but he now gets a ticket into the uh, the cutest race mm. on, on Magic Millions Day as well. So one of three there yesterday. Socks are gone under theory, as we've touched on. Um, cutest race, 1,300, David? Yes, and North Africa was the other winner for, uh, for John Smith. What a Smith tough horse he is. Just, I think 11th run for the campaign and keeps putting in. Looking forward to this meeting next Saturday because we've got these uh, two-year-old races, the Gold Nugget for the, the Colts and Gellings and the Gold Pearl for the Philly. So we're just not quite sure what's going to be in those races. But I bet uh, you there's plenty plenty of people wanting to, to have a throw at the stumps. Mm. Uh, 1,100 metres, they can only run a certain amount mm. yeah, from, from that start. We've got the Wave, of course. That's the big one for the, the three- and four-year-olds, quarter of a million dollars. These are rising star races for the, the Colts and Yellings and the Phillies and Mares. They're both worth a quarter of a million. And there's the Magic Millions Country Cup, which is now run on the week before the big day on the 16th. It's a quarter of a million dollars as well. So this is a, a great meeting in its own right. Yeah, and it was the inaugural running of that meeting last, or the, the wave anyway, that concept plus the, the split division of the two-year-olds. It worked well. The club's really built towards you know making it a big day not as big as they'd like with the restrictions around at the moment but still it, I agree with you it'll be a good day and the wave's going to be an interesting race now with those ballistic boy joining profit for the for the Anderson team we might take a break and come back and have a look at what happened around the country yesterday thanks for your company on past the post past the post on radio tab racing was at uh Kensington on the Kensington track at Royal Ramwick yesterday, a fairly murky and showery day. Let's go to the first race. So there was a good rap on this first starter, four moves ahead, as there was with the other first starter, Laurel, and they dominated the market. Into the straight now, and the leaders have come a bit wide here. Depiction and Ruby kisses. Laurelin goes to the inside with Jetpack Mirror Mirror, and four moves ahead the widest. There's six across the track, and four moves ahead now moved up to take the lead from Mirror Mirror. Ruby kisses Laurelin Morioka from further back, but four moves ahead goes into full swing now and really starts to rip clear. Four moves ahead, a great debut. Beat Ruby kisses Morioka got up to run the third in front of the labouring Mirror Mirror, who stayed on the fence and went nowhere as it turned out. <clears throat> then came Wilson's prom. Laurel and beat herself in the run. Then came depiction, Bay of Keel, and Jet Pack was handy but dropped out. Paul Joyce was all over this on Select Racing yesterday morning. Four moves ahead after some impressive trials. A little a drifter in the market, but too good for them. Certainly was. Put them away nicely, didn't it? Um, well bred Philly. John Sargent training. And there's uh, a horse that's been kept in smoke, readily yeah. available, who won that... That uh, race at Ballarat was classic, yeah. In uh, November, we haven't seen it since. Deliberate plan not to run again before the Magic Millions. Yeah, but four moves ahead there, uh, a, a filly by Stitzel, winning the first race and winning impressively. Let's go to the other race, a bit of a Magic Millions uh, viewpoint here. Let's listen to Private Eyesman in race four. Coming around the turn, Yangara Rose, just the leader from Vanelli, the outside. Tycoon is pushing off the fence. Coming up three wide, super effort, four out. Further back to Never Never River. Private Eye's got plenty of work to do and count to Rupee getting to the outside. Vanelli lays it down to Yangara Rose, super effort, chiming in. Private Eye back to the insides, finishing off hard. Private Eye, the inside, super effort, wide out. Private Eye about a half in front. And Private Eye goes on with the job, beats super effort. Count to Rupee got up to run third in front of Tycoonus, then Brunelli further, further back then to Never Never River from Yangara Rose and my Ruby was last of all. Joe Pride trains private eye. Regan Bayless had the ride came from back to win. Was a drift in the market. Went out to 5.50 but it's only suffered defeat once in a, a very 
a brief career. It's uh, now won four from five. It is going to the, the Guineas in two weeks' time. I noticed firming up on the tab 26 to 21. 17 this morning, so maybe someone's had something overnight. David on Private Eye. And let's listen to our other feature. Well, this was the feature of the day, of course, the Perth Cup at Ascot, dominated by two runners market-wise, truly great in Nerf Bosk. Here's the replay with Darren McCoy. Around the corner they come. Adornment straight in front of Trap for Fools. Pike sitting as quiet as a church mouse on truly great, though. Ambled up. Nerf Bosk is on his tail. He's letting down the grey. Pike will have to go to work. He's nursing. He's kidding. Truly great. Nerf Bosk on the outside comes again. Pike gets serious. Truly great. 60 kilos at all. Nerf Bosk comes at him. They hit it. Oh, what a finish. What a finish in the cup. Nerf Bosk might have got the truly great. It's an absolute thriller. Not sure. They were followed behind the Midnight Blue running on. And close up double digit trap for fools. Platoon, Taxagano, Paddy, Shadow, Woodguard, Loki. He's a Parker, Canvas next home. They were followed further back then by Juicing Carrots. Princess Jenny back there in company with Adornment and frees them off. You went here a bit of broadcast than that around Australia yesterday from Darren McCauley. A gripping finish with Nerf Boss just beating Truly Great. So they ran, well, Truly Great was the favourite. Nerf Boss was the second favourite, now under the care of Neville Parliament. Yeah, I was going to agree with you that that's just spine tingling stuff, wasn't it? So, and great when you've got the, you got the crowd yes, in the background. Yeah, yeah. He's found a new lease on life, this horse in. Um, in Perth, hasn't he? He came to Australia really well credentialed for, with his overseas form, but just struggled there in, in Melbourne. But, um, as I say, it's found his way under Neville Parnham. He ran in a Melbourne Cup, remember? Mm. And Vaughan declares 21st of 24 was the official result, but it was the Perth Cup for him yesterday. Well, that brings us to the end of Past the Post. So, interesting week coming up, and you you were touched on this before weather. Uh, looking mm. at the, the weather report, it's, it looks to be showery from Wednesday through. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. And a few trainers nervous around about the 15, 16, 17 mark in, in Magic Millions order of entry. Um, from what I gather of those inside the field at the moment, Captivant is the only one that's not committed to a start. So doesn't the, the fallout hasn't sort of happened yet that it normally does each year. Exactly. Well, how are you, how are you going to celebrate your birthday? I'll celebrate with my family. I'll, I'll knock over some work now and, um, and go uh, enjoy a nice afternoon with Karen and the kids. Good to hear. And be up bright and early for press room tomorrow. I look forward to that. Each and every Monday. Well, I hope you're <laughs> serious there. Anyway, thanks, Nathan. Happy birthday. Uh, folks, thanks for your company as always. Uh, love it when you're with us on a Sunday morning. And I'll be with you tomorrow morning on Press Room. Looking forward to that then. Until then, bye-bye.